And it's our calling as, as Christians to, to declare and to demonstrate that our God is the God of this city. And if we're going to do that, we need to embrace, we need to experience, whoa, we need to live in what Pentecost was all about. So let's remind ourselves of what happened in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, Jesus' disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like the rushing of a mighty wind which filled the place where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, every single one of them, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When they heard this sound, a multinational crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. What can this mean, they asked each other. But some sneered and said, they're drunk. Then Peter stepped forward and he addressed the crowd. When he was through, 3,000 people were catapulted into the kingdom. Whoa. Pentecost warrants an exclamation mark. When Jesus first appeared in the public arena at his baptism, John the Baptist declared prophetically that Jesus had come basically to do two things. Number one, he was to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1 verse 29. Secondly, he was to be the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John 1 38. The first of these, as most of us will know, was accomplished at the Old Testament festival of Passover. Passover looked back to Israel's deliverance from slavery in Egypt, but it was now apparent that it, it also had always looked forward looked forward to the far greater deliverance that Jesus would bring. Deliverance from sin and and all its consequences. So the timing of Jesus' crucifixion at Passover was tremendously significant. It fulfilled everything that Passover foreshadowed. And it's every bit as significant that the second part of Jesus' mission began to be filled at the Feast of Pentecost, another Old Testament festival, is fulfilled and invested with new meaning. Up to now, Pentecost had been associated with the giving of the law of Moses at Sinai. From now on, it would forever be a celebration of the arrival of the law of the spirit of life that sets us free from the law of sin and death. Originally, it had been a festival of thanksgiving for the wheat harvest, Now it celebrated a harvest of people, 3,000 straight away. Now the concept of baptism in the Holy Spirit is just totally mind-boggling. You know, the word baptize means to immerse, to drench, to soak, to overflowing like a cloth in dye or a sponge in water. In the same way that, that John the Baptist was drenching people in water, he announced, this man, Jesus will drench you in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God, co-equal with the Father and the Son. Whoa. How life-transforming is that? To be 
drenched in the presence of God. God forgive us if we reduce that to some comfortable doctrine. J.B. Phillips captures the meaning of Romans 8 verse 9 when he renders it like this. You cannot be a Christian at all unless you have something of God's Spirit in you. That's true. But it's equally true that not every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that right? Some are filled with the Holy Spirit the moment they become Christians. Many are not. I just want to ask you, have you settled for just something of God's Spirit in you? Have you encountered Jesus as the Lamb of God who's dealt with with the negative, dealt with your sin problem, but have never known him as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, releasing you into the fullness of the positive of what Jesus came to bring? Even more important, are you filled with the Holy Spirit this morning? On this Pentecost morning, have you come in here just overflowing with the Holy Spirit? Because we're not talking about some one-off experience, are we? You know, Ephesians 5 verse 18 tells us to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a, an optional extra. It's essential to authentic, certainly effective Christian living. And I want this morning, just very briefly, to suggest four reasons why it is so important for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all begin with the letter P. They just happen to begin with the letter P. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the first one is promise. When you start reading the, the Bible, you, you quickly discover that our God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. What he wants for us, he promises to do for us. And what happened here at Pentecost fulfills a, a number of Old Testament prophecies, promises. Peter specifically tells the crowd that it's the beginning of a fulfillment of the prophet, a promise given through the prophet Joel that in the last days God will pour out his spirit on all people, old and young, male and female, all kinds of people. It was also a fulfillment of the prophetic promise in Ezekiel 47 that a river of living water would flow out from under the threshold of the temple and and, and get deeper and wider and produce new life, cause it to erupt everywhere it flowed. But there's one promise in the Bible that stands above all the others. It's referred to as the promise of the Father. The promise God made to Abraham way back in Genesis 22 verse 18. That through Abraham's offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed. The whole of the Old Testament looks forward to the arrival of this. The promise, the blessing that will eclipse and embrace all the others. And the New Testament finally identifies the promise, the blessing with baptism in the Holy Spirit, with being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, 49, just before he left the scene, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm about to send you the promise of the Father. Stay in the city till you've been clothed with power from on high. In Acts 1, verse 4, he repeats the command, don't leave Jerusalem 
But wait for the gift my father promised. Galatians 3.14, we're told that through Jesus, God has blessed us, the Gentiles, with the blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might all receive the blessing of the promised Holy Spirit through faith. If baptism in the Holy Spirit, if being filled to overflowing with him is the promise of God, is what God wants most for us, it's pretty important that we lay hold on of it, isn't it? We otherwise miss out on his best for us. A second P further underlines the importance of this. It's the means by which God's supernatural power is released into our lives. Jesus describes baptism in the Holy Spirit as being clothed with power from on high. God said through Zechariah that we're not to operate by force or by strength, but by his Spirit, a power that works best when we're weak. And that initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was tremendously empowering. It took those first disciples into new realms way beyond their natural limitations. It enabled them to declare the mighty works of God in other tongues. It empowered Peter with a new boldness, a new fluency and eloquence of communication that went far beyond his training and experience as a fisherman and produced great effectiveness through him. And all of that and more is available to us. There's nothing like being filled with the Holy Spirit, is there? You know, it's intoxicating. That's why the onlookers, some of them thought, you know, these guys are drunk. That's why Paul said, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there's a a contrast between those two experiences, but the juxtaposition suggests there's a, a comparison there as well. When did somebody last ask you what you're on? After you come out of a, a Christian meeting. Or maybe it's just me. <laughs> but baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just power to make us feel good. It's power for purpose, number three. And it's a twofold purpose that can be achieved in no other way. Number one, it's to transform us on the inside, progressively into the likeness of Jesus himself. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Jesus and reflect his glory even more. The Holy Spirit is God's agent for change in our lives. And he also works, secondly, to empower and equip us to become ourselves agents for change in the lives of others as we spread the Christian good news and so transform our world. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Now a witness is someone who's had an experience, who's seen something, who has a story to tell. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power, we've got a story to tell. You know, sharing our faith is all about telling stories. You know, listening... um, to the stories of others, telling our stories, seizing opportunities as they arise for us to share God's story. It's that simple, really. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's very natural. 
We can be a bit like Jeremiah, who when he had God's word inside him, said, you know, I'm tired of holding it in. Indeed, I can't. It was like a fire burning in my heart. And he, he, he would just spill it out, and it got him into loads of trouble. You know, the, the issue for us is sensitivity. It shouldn't be a sense of duty, a kind of reluctance. You know, I don't really want to be doing this. We need the Holy Spirit. The fourth and most important P of all is presence. Central for God's purpose um, for us. Central to God's purpose for us is relationship with Him. Living as a Christian is all about hosting God's presence. Developing a relationship. You know, when we invite visitors into our home, the focus is on them. On making them feel welcome and valued. On pleasing them, on blessing them, isn't it? The more important the visitor, the greater our concern to host them well. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. A person, not an impersonal force. He's the way God's present with us now. And having him in our lives is hosting a person. Hosting Almighty God. Developing a relationship with him. In Matthew 7.22... Jesus makes this staggering statement. He says, On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, Leave me. I never knew you. Somehow these guys have been able to perform miracles in the name of Jesus. But that wasn't even conclusive evidence that they were Christians. Jesus didn't know them. They'd not established that relationship with him. The number one priority for every Christian should surely be to host well the presence of God. To avoid the twin dangers of grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. In Exodus 33, Moses said to God, If your presence doesn't go with me, I'm going nowhere. If... Your presence is not tangibly with me. What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? There's some tremendous stuff being done through the churches in this town now in terms of social action. There's a magazine that's beginning to be circulated. I don't know if you've seen it yet called EG. Just giving EGs of all kinds of stuff that's happening. Blessing people, serving the community. And all of that is fantastic. But if we're not carrying God's presence with us, there's nothing to distinguish us us as Christians from anyone else doing similar things. And there are lots of other people doing similar things. Praise God. I just want to conclude with a silly story. Because I've been a bit serious so far. I'm sure many of you have heard this story. Apologies to the ICC contingent, because they've certainly heard it in another context. But I'm going to tell it anyway. Is that all right? It's about this rich guy who was really wanting to find that special gift for his mum on her birthday. And he searches high and low, and he finally comes upon this incredible bird uh, that, 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 that uh, has a vocabulary of 4,000 words, speaks fluently in five languages. Incredible bird. Sings the, the arias from three operas. So he thought, oh, it's 50,000 quid, but I'll have it. So he buys this bird, has it packaged up and sent off to his, his old mum. And uh, on her birthday, he, he's out of reach of um, a phone. 
you know, just hasn't, hasn't got a contact. So he rings the next day and says, you know, hi, mum. Trust you had a good birthday. What did you think of the bird? And she said, oh, that's really delicious. I really, really enjoyed it. The old lady didn't appreciate the value or the purpose of the gift. It didn't come with an instruction booklet. What does the way we live show about the way we value the priceless gift of the Holy Spirit? We're told what the purpose is. The value is obvious. Are we truly valuing what God has made available to us through the Holy Spirit? We're all together this morning in one place. Oh, that we might hear the sound from heaven. Oh, that we might all be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. Harold is going to come and lead us in prayer.